Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Algramson. Thank you for joining us today. I'm a little more casual today. We're about three and a half weeks out from uh, Prairie Fire Revival. We're fired up and excited about it. There's some great things coming together, including Bot Radio coming alongside and doing some uh, service bulletins for us. And uh, today, I just want to go back into uh, Jesus, and this is part 11 our walk with Jesus. We're going to talk about a leper, we're going to talk about a paralytic, and we're going to talk about Matthew. Now, let's go over our Bible text real quick. Uh, we start with John 1 through 5, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were created through Him, and without Him nothing was created that was created. In Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. And then John chapter 5, verse 19, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever the Father does, the Son also does in like manner. And then finally, John chapter 8, verse 26. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. Again, we know Jesus, he did what he saw the Father do, and he said what he heard the Father say. He was Holy Spirit led. Glory to God. Now, we left off with Jesus' first preaching tour, and I thought that was so good. And the last set of verses we went through for that was Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. And they read, Jesus went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all sorts of diseases among the people. His fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought to him all the sick people who were taken with various diseases and tormented with pain, those who were possessed with demons, those who had seizures, and those who had paralysis. And he healed them. Notice it didn't leave any out. He healed them all. Glory to God. And verse 25, great clouds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Now, Today we're going to start out with the cleansing of the leper. And I really like this one because it speaks to where we are in the world right now. So let's go to Mark chapter 1 and let's look at verses 40 through 45. And this is in the modern English version. Now it reads, a leper came to him, him being Jesus. So a leper came to Jesus pleading with him, kneeling before him saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus Moved with compassion, he extended his hand and he touched him and said to him, I will be clean. As soon as he had spoken, the leprosy immediately departed from him and he was cleansed. He sternly warned him and sent him away at once, saying, See that you say nothing to anyone. But go your own way, show yourself to the priest, and offer your cleansing, offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and he began to proclaim it widely 
and to spread the news around so that he could no more openly enter the city, but was out in remote places. And they came to him from every quarter. A couple of things I want to make sure you understand here is, so he was a leper. He was one. He was not supposed to be out in public. So it was illegal for him to be out in public because he was unclean. Two, it was illegal for Jesus to touch him because he was unclean. And so Jesus, by his compassion, reached out and touched this man and healed him of leprosy. Now, obviously, if the man was still running around with leprosy at this day and time, they must not have been seeing a lot of healings. They must not have seen a lot of miracles. Uh, Instead, they were under the law, and by the law, you were restricted to an area outside of uh, the main area. And, uh, you know, you had to go to the priest to be determined clean. And, And the lepers just, they weren't determined clean, period. So one of the things, too, that I want you to see is Psalm 107.20. So we're talking about healing, right? And Psalm 107.20 says that God sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And that so fits into with what we're talking about here. The other thing is compassion moves our Father. It moves Jesus, and it moves the Holy Spirit. Now, this movement, this movement can supersede doubt and faith and through the Holy Spirit, miracles can happen. Glory to God. Also, when did it happen? Okay, when we looked at the verse, when did it happen? When he touched him? No. It happened as he spoke. So you see here, we speak it. So the speaking of God's word is more important than the laying on of hands. Okay? The laying on of hands may or may not do anything, but the speaking of God's word always does, because God's word does not return to him void. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. This is We're going to see here in Matthew and Luke just a little bit of difference on this story of the leper. So in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it reads, When he came down from the mountains, large crowds followed him, and then a leper came worshiping him. And in Luke chapter 5, you can see in verses uh, 12 and 15 and 16, there's some difference here. It reads, when he was in a certain city, a man full of leprosy upon seeing Jesus fell on his face and begged him. Now, it goes in verse 15, it says, yet even more so, his fame went everywhere and great crowds came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Now, verse 16, pay attention to this. He says, but he withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. So Jesus did not forsake his time in solitude and prayer. Here, the great crowds, as we look through this, and you look at the previous story, right? The previous verses, here, these great crowds had been pursuing him and making demands upon him for a substantial amount of time, probably all day long. And so here at the end, he's got to separate himself. He's got to go get his solitude. He's got to go have his time with the Lord, with, with his Father, and, and get prayed up and get filled up uh, and get refreshed. Glory to God. Now, this leads us into the parable, or not the parable, excuse me, the healing of the paralytic. And that's in Mark chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 12. Now, let's look at this real quick. 
verse 1, again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was reported that he was in the house. Immediately, many were gathered together so that there was no room to receive them, not even at the door. And he preached the word to them. They came to him bringing uh, bringing one sick with paralysis who was carried by four men. When they could not come near him due to the crowding, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they had broken it open, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, now you got to picture this, okay? There's a huge crowd outside this house. Jesus is in the house. He didn't come there to preach and teach at this time. He just, he was there. And they found out about it and great crowds gathered. And uh, of course, Jesus did what Jesus did. And, and he started to preach and teach to him. Now this person was a paralytic, and these four men, friends of his, they had so much faith that when they couldn't get through the crowd to the front door, they climbed up on the roof and they broke through the roof, right? And they started letting him down on the bed on which he lay. Now, in verse 5, we see, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. But some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak such blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned so with themselves, he said to them, Why do you contemplate these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise and take up your bed and go your way to your house. In verse twelve, immediately he rose, not as he went, not two days down the road. It says in verse twelve. Immediately he rose, he picked up his bed, and he went out in front of them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Now, and just like I said with the, the leper, right? This was not a time where you saw healings happening. There was a lot of religion. Uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had gotten off onto uh, legalism and uh, they just they wouldn't allow the Holy Spirit place. And, and when the Holy Spirit can't find place, then miracles cease to happen. Uh, so we see here Jesus preached, right? So he preached. He built up their faith. He saw their faith. So faith is something that can be seen. Okay? Okay. Uh, I don't know how else to say it. I don't want to say it's tangible, but faith is visible. It can be seen. Now, I also want you to know that because he said to them, see now in verse 6, if you look, it said they were reasoning in their hearts, right? Now, Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned within themselves. So our Father knows a man's heart, and we know that from other scriptures. And he perceived, so the Holy Spirit witnessed with his spirit. It's the same today. The Holy Spirit will witness with our spirit. We just have to be tuned in. 
Glory to God. We can't let it slide away from us. All right? So in verse, excuse me, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 4, let's look at a little bit of a difference here, okay? Same story, right? So it's still the paralytic. And in verse 1, it says, He, being Jesus, entered a boat, crossed over, and came into his own city. And they brought to him a man sick with paralysis. And Jesus, seeing their face, said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Then certain scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. Now, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Now, I want you to pay attention because Jesus is led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, right? And we know that he's led by the Holy Spirit. And so when they say that this man blasphemes, in essence, they are blaspheming the Holy Spirit, right? Because Jesus said, why do you think evil in your hearts? So if you look at this, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal condemnation. That's in Mark chapter 3, verse 30, uh, 29. So that refers back here, in my opinion, refers back here to what happened. These men called the man, and, and, and like Jesus said, you can speak ill of me, but don't speak ill of the Holy Spirit. You can blaspheme me, but do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and here I... This is about as good an example as I can see of blaspheming the Holy Spirit because Jesus was clearly led of the Spirit of God. And so, in essence, what they are saying to Jesus is, we do not believe the Spirit on you. We believe the Spirit on you or in you blasphemes God. And so they're calling the Holy Spirit a blasphemer. It's not good. Uh, let's look at Luke chapter 5, verses 17 and 19. Again, we're looking at the differences on the same story of the paralytic. Uh, it says, on a certain day, as Jesus was teaching, so we've had preaching, now it says teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby who had come from every town of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. Now that's different. Nobody else said that, but Luke caught on that. The power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. Now some of the men brought in a, bed, a man, excuse me, now, some men brought in a bed, a man who was paralyzed. They searched for ways to bring him in and lay him before him. When they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they let him down through the tiles with his bed into their midst before Jesus. Now, when I look at Oral Robertson and... and uh, I've got the New Testament Comes Alive. It's a three-volume set by Oral Roberts' commentary on the New Testament. And if you look in volume one, it's on page 270. Oral says, That crowd included Pharisees who hated Jesus. It included doctors of the law of Moses, theologians who misinterpreted nearly everything Jesus said and did. And yet when they arrived, the power of the Lord was still present to heal. Glory to God. Uh, they needed it. The people today who oppose the power of God need to be healed. Wherever the opposition is to the Lord, there is also the power of the Lord present to heal. I want you to catch that. That's a huge statement. Wherever there is opposition 
to the Lord, the power of the Lord is also there present to heal. There is nothing greater than God. And there's no power greater than His. And you look at Jesus, He is name above all names. Okay? And He's been granted every power by God the Father. And so there is nothing in this world that can stand against. And so when opposition is there, then the power to the power of the Lord is present to heal. Uh, Oral goes on, he says, I praise God because he is omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory to God. Now, one of the things, you know, we, we have to look at, like I said, you know, the power is there. So you have to look at, if it's not manifesting, so what's the problem And you have to look at, are you operating out of faith or are you operating out of fear? Faith is of the heart. If you're operating out of faith, then the the manifestation is there, the anointing is there, then the healing should take place. Should. We don't know all of it, right? Uh, Like he said, we, we look in a mirror dimly. So we see part of it now, but later when all is perfected, we will see more clearly so it's not a question of can God, but instead a question of am I in faith or am I in fear? Am I operating out of my spirit or am I operating out of my mind? And we have to answer that question for ourselves. <clears throat> now let's go on to the story of Matthew and uh, his calling. Okay, and Jesus calls him out. And we're going to do Matthew chapter 9 verses 9 through 13. And it reads, as Jesus passed on... From there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector station, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and he followed him. Now, while Jesus sat at supper in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well do not need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, glory to God. This is so good. Um, Popularity is the death of the church. And that's a big statement. But if you are more concerned about what the world is saying about your church, or even what your congregation is saying about your church, then you are about what the Word of God says about your church, then popularity will be the death of your church. If you're more concerned about the tithes and the offerings than you are the truth, then popularity will be the death of your church. Glory to God. Now, Jesus told us, leave the 99 on the hill that aren't lost and go find that one or go seek out that one lost sheep. So, in ministry... Yes, part of our responsibility is to 
help people get rooted and planted and grow, right? Help them mature from milk into to solid food. And uh, in turn, as they grow, they too should turn around and become mentors for others. And it should, uh, uh, diversify is not the right word, but it should be, um, glory to God, how do you want to, it, it spreads out among the people, right? So the responsibility is not totally on the pastor for that. Now he, he is charged as the under shepherd for the care of his flock. But if he's raising up mentors, and coaches under him who are biblically sound and, and preaching and teaching truth, then they will help care for the flock. But you never forsake the lost. The lost is still a, a main goal of the church. Okay? And, and yes, it's every believer's main goal, but it's also, like he's saying, if you're the shepherd, and you've got a hundred sheep, and ninety-nine of them are safe. They're righteous. They're following you. They're rooted. They're grounded. They've gone for. They're going from milk to meat, or milk to solid food. And you lose one, and now you have ninety-nine, right? You you still need to go after that one. He doesn't want the one lost. And so you can't say, "Well, they fell away. I can't do anything about it." Um, I still have the 99. But that's only part of what he charged you with doing. Any of us, right? And so even even uh, as a minister, it, it's... I'm still responsible if I see the lost to uh, to reach out to them. Now, I don't claim to be an evangelist. An evangelist is something totally different. And uh, I have a lot of respect for evangelists. Okay? But in my day-to-day, -day, if I run into somebody and, you know, the Lord prompts me, hey, you need to go talk to that person. I need to listen to the Lord and go talk to that person. I don't need to leave them there to suffer where they're at. It's not what we're here for. And so... Uh, Let's go on here on the story of Matthew. Let's look at Mark and Luke at what they had to say, the differences, right? So in Mark chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 are a little bit different. And it says, Jesus went out again by the seaside, and the whole crowd came to him, and he taught them. Now, as he passed by, he saw Levi, which is Matthew, Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's station, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. So we see here that as he went out again by the seaside, right? So Jesus was out by the seaside. The crowd came to him. He taught. Passing by Levi, he calls him out. Luke chapter 5, verse 29, it reads, um, Then Levi made a great feast in his house. And there was a group of many tax collectors and others who sat down with them. So there we get a little bit further into it. We, we see Jesus has come by. He's called him out. They go to Matthew's house. And what's Matthew do? He makes a great feast. Okay. Um, again, the lost will rejoice. And why would Jesus not sit down with the lost and rejoice at having the lost around him now found? Right? And so... Um, the Pharisees didn't get it because obviously they weren't seeking out the lost. They were so pleased with legalism and um, 
being the well, it's like a Hollywood actor, right? I mean, that's basically what it came down to. Oh, I, I can say anything, I can do anything, and everybody loves me because I'm this famous guy. And that's what the Pharisees felt like. You know, they wanted the best seats in the house. They wanted uh, to be served first. They wanted to be acknowledged. They wanted to be held up for what it was they were. And, uh, yeah, and then here comes Jesus, and what's he doing? He's sitting at a table full of sinners. And, and and he tells them, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinners. I came for the lost. Glory to God. If I already have the righteous, why do I need to chase after them? Why not pursue the lost? And this is what we have to do. Now, he didn't negate the righteous. Do you understand that? If you look at Jesus' ministry, his disciples were with him, and he had disciples beyond the 12 apostles. And he cared for them. When they followed him into the countryside and, and had to feed them, he just didn't say, hey, you're the found, I'm not going to take care of you. No, no. He said, you are the found, but I'm going to feed you. And they brought him two, uh, two loaves and three fish or something like that, and five loaves and two fish, and, and, and he multiplied it. He blessed it, broke it. They passed it out. It fed everybody beyond capacity. And there were 12 baskets left over. All right. And, and so he didn't say, don't care for. But he said, leave him on the hill, go after. Right. Leave him on the hill, go after the one. And so we need to remember he came for the lost as well as uh, the righteous. Glory to God. And uh, yeah. It's good. It's good. I'm excited because in the next episode, we're going to continue this walk with Jesus. Uh, we're going to watch Jesus defend his disciples with a parable. Uh, we'll also see his journey into Jerusalem for the second Passover. And we'll see the subsequent healing of a lame man. Some more miracles to come. And uh, praise God. I pray the Lord blesses you richly and mightily today. And I pray you got something out of this. Uh, I know I always do. And I enjoy these, and thank you for joining me today. And, uh, yeah, God bless.